Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to uh, SACPA, the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. I'm in an odd position today. This is the first time I've ever moderated a uh, SACFA event, though I've been coming for four years. So uh, I'm on the other side of the mic today. Um, uh, Just a couple of reminders. I know you're all used to this. Um, uh, Please turn off cell phones. We are being recorded. Uh, We are on live radio right now at CKXU. Uh, We are being recorded for Shaw TV. And uh, the Lethbridge Herald reporter is in the room as well. So we, we must remember. And if anything, uh, if you hear anything here that you'd like to hear again, and you will because our speaker today is so fascinating, um, you can listen to us on uh, our website, www.sacpa.ca. Um, so just a brief introduction uh, also to the process. Please put $11 in the Uh, basket on the table, Uh, have one person at your table count that money and make sure that it actually affords all of you to eat. So that would be lovely and then we'll come around and pick that up. Um, I'm very pleased to uh, be able to introduce my dear friend, Paul Ferry. Uh, Paul and I started uh, our PhDs at the same time. He has completed his. Uh, and I'm very proud of him for doing that. Uh, he uh, convocated last Tuesday, so this uh, is his first um, post-doctorate speech that he'll be given. Uh, though, yeah. And uh, I, I imagine many of you actually heard his voice this morning at 6.30 in the morning on CBC Radio because he's a frequent commentator uh, on CBC uh, Radio, TV, and in the uh, Calgary newspapers and um, on all sorts of issues about municipal politics because right now in Canada, municipal politics has become a hot topic. And the, the thing that used to be the hardest thing to get students to go into a class to hear about is now the hottest topic on the on the register. So uh, Paul does teach at the University of Calgary uh, uh, on local government, and uh, I'm very happy to turn over the microphone to him now. Thank you. I'm not quite as tall as Lisa, so. So I was introduced, I guess, as, uh, as fascinating and, and new and exciting, which is going to be hard to live up to, but uh, I, I will do my best. So as Lisa, Lisa is a- absolutely right about municipal politics being a hot topic, but it's usually quite difficult. I mean, whenever I've taught uh, local government before, it's always a little bit of a struggle to, to sell to students, even though they signed up, hopefully, of their, of their own accord, that municipal politics is actually really interesting because people think it's usually about how property taxes are, are the mill rate is revenue neutral, or I've, I've heard about a, a really um, um, raging debate about some new controversial traffic lights uh, here in the city. And I usually have to tell students that it's actually about more than traffic lights or mill rates. However, I'm a little bit worried now because now people will come into my class next term and think that it's going to be all about crack cocaine and <laughs> controversial comments. So, so I'm going to have to sort of strike a little bit of a different, a different ground. So what we're going to talk about today, sort of two important issues that have come up in the news, again, other than, other than any of the Ford... Uh, circus, which come out about 
uh, municipal politics. So we have uh, the question of should Lethbridge move to a ward system? Right now, as you know, there's an at-large system where councillors are elected citywide. So what I want to do is sort of review the the major arguments that people make about wards versus at-large, hopefully generate some discussion over lunch, and then we'll come back and talk about that afterwards. And also, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about if we should change the way elections are funded. In, in local politics, we know that the development industry is always very powerful, and you can think good or bad things about that. I'm not going to try and change your mind about uh, the development issue specifically. But we know that the rules about elections and how they're funded actually have a lot to do with how powerful the developers and the development industry are in cities. So these are the, sort of the two big questions that we'll, we'll have a lovely chat about, and then, and then hopefully afterwards you'll have... Uh, some questions. So the first question then is all about uh, should Lethbridge have wards? And, and, and to break the question down a little bit, there are sort of four main topics that you can think about when trying to have this debate. One is what's being represented at city council? Should we think about councillors as representing the city as a whole or should they be representing different communities within the city? So that obviously will come come with different consequences for, for local politics, and we'll think about that a little bit. The second question is, are we getting good representation when we have local councillors uh, for, for your own communities, your wards, or do we get better representation when they actually represent uh, the city as a whole? The third one is about fairness. Are at-large systems more fair to different types of voters than, than ward systems, or do ward systems actually promote more fairness? So we want to think about that a little bit. And finally, the question sort of that lies at the heart of any discussion of politics is, are voters getting what they want? If at the end of the day, voters are getting what they want, it almost doesn't matter what system we use. It's not like theoretical discussions of, of ward systems versus at-large really matter if people are actually uh, happy with, with what's going on. <coughs> so the first question then is, uh, what do councillors uh, represent? And this is sort of maybe one of the biggest arguments in favor of an at-large system. There's sort of an idea amongst people who like at-large systems that councillors should represent uh, the city as a whole, that they should ha be sort of big-minded uh, for city politics rather than, the critics will argue, uh, sort of more small-minded and worried about filling potholes in a certain ward or worried about building a library in each of the, the different districts. And we actually know from research that this second thing does happen when you have award systems. is actually, you end up with more libraries, you end up with more fire halls, you end up with more police stations because each of the wards wants to get their own sort of community center, rec center, and so on. So we know that does, um, that does happen. Another argument about what councillors represent that comes up a lot is about regional tensions. So there's the idea that you don't want regional tensions to play out in council so then what you want to do is elect councillors at large so they're not actually representing one region or another. And we know that sort of the regional tensions do actually occur. So for instance, <coughs> pardon me, uh, for instance in some cities that I've done some work in uh, studying, um, we know in Toronto for instance, it's a really highly regional council. In Calgary, there's the downtown councillors who are often quite opposed to the, the most suburban on the outer ring. So the argument for at-large councillors then says that we want to avoid this kind of fight between suburbs and the downtown, and therefore we'll have councillors be 
be elected by everybody. And, and lastly, you sort of get a kind of a board of directors kind of approach when you have an at-large system. So everybody's concerned with all of Lethbridge with, I mean, they have the same system in Vancouver, for instance, which is, which is quite a bit, has a bit more population, but they, 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 they sort of have the same approach in terms of um, representing all of Vancouver, all of Lethbridge. So if we're thinking about what councillors represent, the big decision to make between when you're selecting a, a ward system or an at-large system is do you want them to be representatives of the, of the city as a whole or do you want them to be uh, representative of the communities within the city? So it is a choice. It's hard to have both. But, but, but that, is, that is the sort of the representation choice <coughs> that you're making. The second question then is sort of about good representation. Is it fair? And so on. And the biggest question there is actually about if you're going to have wards, someone has to be in charge of drawing the boundaries. So in an at-large system, it's pretty simple. You just say the boundaries are, are the, the city boundaries of, of Lethbridge or Calgary or, or Vancouver or wherever. But as soon as you select, select wards, then someone has to be uh, in charge of drawing the boundaries. And, and we know that uh, this can often be a problem. I mean, this is a, um, if, if you're a nerd like I am, uh, a pretty famous uh, cartoon about gerrymandering, they call it. So what this was was in the 19th century, the governor of, uh, I, I believe it was Pennsylvania, Eldridge Jerry, he, um, he drew the, the wards. And actually here... Can you see the mouse? There you go. Uh, it, it actually ends up looking, uh, apparently, uh, like a salamander. So they took his name and they called it, and ended up calling it gerrymandering. But I mean, the cartoon is a little bit uh, confusing uh, to talk about over lunch. So we'll, we'll have a, a little example that's a little bit nicer with uh, red dots and blue dots. So this is a high-tech uh, 3D example. If you, if you get your 3D glasses out, you can see uh, this a lot better. So what we have here is a situation where you have 10 red dots and 10 blue dots. Just imagine that they're voters and that the red people want something and the blue people want something else. So if you have an at-large system, it's basically going to be a tie. So then the contest between them is um, which, which of the blue or red people turn out to vote more often. So the winner will just be about who turns out, who participates in politics. But all of a sudden now you get award system. So what happens when you get a ward system? Somebody has to draw the lines around these people to see which ward you end up voting in. Now when they try and um, draw the boundaries, it doesn't even have to be as suspicious as our, as our salamander that we met earlier. It can actually look quite sensible. They're all quite small. You're not going around different corners and so on. And now what you have here, instead of a sort of a tie situation where it's 10 votes versus 10 votes, you actually have a situation now where one ward is dominated by blue voters, and three wards are now dominated by red voters. So depending on who gets to decide who draws the lines, they sort of get to decide uh, who ends up uh, having all the power. So now in council, instead of there being maybe a few red councillors and a few blue councillors, now you have three, three for the red team, one for the blue team. Even though the voters are exactly the same, even though... They're in exactly the same positions. All I did was draw some, some really uh, nice-looking lines here, and uh, it was this morning. I apologize. Um, and, and now you have a whole different city council than you would have had there been no lines at all. So, so I mean, for me, this is one of the more convincing arguments if you want to go in favor of an at-large system, is it puts a lot of power in the hands of the person who draws the lines. 
However, there are, there are obviously arguments uh, in favor of award system. And the big question then, sort of which is more fair? So we'll talk about uh, the, an example in Vancouver, for instance. So Vancouver, just like Lethbridge, has an at-large council. I think it's 11 councillors. I don't remember uh, the exact number. Um, but in Vancouver, if you're not familiar with it, there's a huge sort of uh, east-west split. The, the, the people who live on the west are, are ludicrously uh, wealthy. These are the, the, the million-dollar condos, the three-million-dollar homes, the mountain views, the ocean views, all very lovely. On the east side, though, you have uh, communities like East Hastings, which are some of the poorest communities in Canada. Uh, just that um, city block there actually has the highest incidence of HIV in all of North America. So, I mean, it's, it's quite, a different, uh, quite a different world. As, as, as someone said to me once, sort of the crunch under your feet in West Vancouver is, is going to be granola, but in East Vancouver, it'll just be sort of the heroin needles as you're walking along. And, I mean, it's sort of a little bit extreme, but, it, I mean, it sort of evokes the image that there is a big uh, east-west uh, divide in the city. So what happens then in Vancouver? Whenever they vote, so they, they vote at large, you have the west side, who is richer and more well-educated and more, much more comfortable. They vote, 30, 39% of them voted in the last election, compared to the east side, where only 31% of them voted. So what does that do in an at-large system when there's such a big disparity between east and west? It basically means then whoever the people on the west side of Vancouver want to be elected to council will end up being elected to council. When there was a referendum, I think three or four years ago in Vancouver, uh, they, they, they wanted to vote, do we go to a ward system now rather than the at-large? 54% of people rejected it, but, and we'll have a little bit of creative brainstorming here, who do you think ended up, and don't shout this out, it's not participatory, this is rhetorical, um, who do we think actually turned out uh, for, in favor of keeping the at-large system? It was the people who lived on the west side, because the west side was already getting what they wanted through the at-large system, they knew that people on the west voted much more often in the east, so this was a way to guarantee that city council would be filled with people who lived on the west side, who represented the values of the people on the west side. Maybe they were technically from the east side of Vancouver, but it didn't really matter because they got to choose who it was they wanted to send to council. So what this could do then is by, by selecting uh, an at-large system, you could sort of be preserving who ends up winning in politics as sort of a permanent winning class and you could be preserving who ends up losing in politics and sort of preserving this unrepresented class. So you wouldn't be surprised that when you look at where did the councillors end up coming from in Vancouver, they come from the west side. Where is most of the infrastructure spending in Vancouver? It's done on the west side. Um, where where do, does city council spend most of their attention and money? It's going to be on the west side. It's not even to say that the people, these councillors are bad people, that they're um, purposefully uh, not representing the east side. It's just that if you come from the west side of Vancouver, you live basically in a whole different world than if you live on the east side of Vancouver. So it can be a little bit hard to, to, to recognize the issues that the people on the east side of Vancouver uh, end up having. Now, does that kind of thing happen in Lethbridge? I mean, I, I haven't in any great detail uh, studied Lethbridge politics, but... Um, I made this little map. Um, I found the uh, addresses of all the, the city councillors 
and the, and the mayor from, who, uh, from the last election. It wasn't creepy. It was just on the, on the Lethbridge website, so I didn't actually have to stalk them. But I got Google to put little stars, and the stars were too small, so I got PowerPoint to draw little circles, which are a little bit bigger. And we can see, actually, that it's not like the councillors are sort of randomly distributed throughout the city, that there are some from the north and some from the south. I mean, you have quite a, quite a stark situation, sort of a, a crow's nest trail. You have uh, almost everybody south of that. There's even a majority of councillors south of 24th Avenue South, which is quite, quite a, sort of on the, uh, the southern edge of Lethbridge. So if you were looking for people who represented all sorts of different areas of the city, I don't think you're really uh, getting that from this map. Now, it's not to say that they couldn't try to understand the issues of the North or try to understand the issues of the, or the Northwest either. But if Lethbridge does differ in terms of North and South, you, so, you sort of worry, are certain areas of Lethbridge then being underrepresented? Now, it wouldn't be that much of a concern if it was just this council, but the question to think about maybe over lunch is, is this unusual? Um, does this happen a lot? Because if it happens in one election and then maybe the next election there's, there's more councillors from the north, then there's not too much to worry about. Maybe it all balances out in the end. But if election after election, you end up with councillors who live a majority of the time south of 24th Avenue South, which I'm sure is a, a lovely avenue and nothing to say anything bad about them. But if it's election after election, maybe there's something wrong with the system that needs to be changed in order to make sure that more of the city ends up uh, being represented rather than, than just one part or another. So some, some other issues then uh, to think about before we move on to campaign spending um, are to do with what, what are some of the outcomes that you might get. So I'm really going to apologize in advance for these next two slides. If you're listening at home, I'll describe what's on them in a moment. So citywide elections, that's a picture of Rob Ford that just sort of spun in. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you end up electing uh, someone like Rob Ford. Now, again, you can, you can love his policies, but maybe, uh, I mean, you can also, I suppose, approve of his lifestyle. I mean, I'm not one to judge. Uh, but, I mean, there are some issues that might arise. But, however, Toronto has ward, a ward system. So, um, ever since the, uh, the video scandal came out and so on, the city council has been able to act to sort of remove some of the powers of the Toronto mayor. But now imagine 2010, before we know about any of this stuff, Toronto is going through Ford mania. Everyone thinks, oh, this Rob Ford somehow looks like a good mayor, so we'll vote for him. And we're also going to vote for 44 councillors who are quite similar to Rob Ford. Again, I apologize for this one. You could end up with a situation where you have 44 Rob Fords sort of all appearing at once on council. And I mean, I don't even want to imagine what would be in the stories at this point. But if it was a, a, a citywide election, you would end up with, with, with a city council that might have looked something along the lines of this. I mean, the more serious point behind this is you end up with city councils in an at-large election that end up looking quite the same as one another because when people are voting in 2010, in 2013, they, they have sort of an opinion of the kind of thing that they want to... Uh, to see on council. So you end up with relatively homogenous, relatively similar councils, rather than a councils of different ideas. So maybe you like politics to be sort of um, lovely and friendly and, and fluffy and nice, 
But sometimes maybe you want there to be different opinions just in case something comes up like, uh, like Rob Ford. So. so there's that to think about. Another question to think about is how many candidates do you end up having to vote for and select from? I, I know Lisa was telling me... <coughs> Uh, was telling me about the uh, the all candidates forums for the councillors, where everyone got about forty five seconds to to ramble off whatever it was they wanted to ramble off, and that was more or less it. This isn't the worst of possible worlds. In nineteen eighty six in Edmonton, in the public school board election, there were fifty seven candidates in an all in an at large election. So if you gave everyone you know five minutes is quite a a nice time to speak. That would, that would be 285 minutes of, of, of no stopping between these 57 people. And, I mean, you can't see the names unless you have very good eyesight. Um, but, I mean, are you going to really choose between uh, R. Bell and R. Bellamy and A. Bell House uh, too successfully? I mean, if you had to choose nine of these people, I mean, I, I would have one or two favorites. And then eventually I'd just start kind of voting randomly, if I'm being honest. And, and I mean, I, I'm a political scientist. I'm supposed to be interested in these things. And I don't know if I could, uh, I could really take this. Uh, you, you'll be unsurprised to find out in 1989, in the next election, Edmonton actually went qu quite quickly uh, to a ward system after, uh, after this sort of debacle. So I think the winning candidate ended up, incidentally, uh, getting 8% of the vote. So, you know, not, not, a, not an overwhelming, uh, stunning mandate there. But ultimately, all of these discussions come down to the, the big question of are voters getting what they want? Um, so we can think about what are the good things and the bad things of ward and at-large elections, just to sort of sum this up. So ward elections really good at providing local representation. If you want to pick up the phone and you think, who do I end up calling? You don't have to look through a list of eight people or the mayor. You can, you can instead say, I live in Ward 3, so I'll, I'll call up the councillor for Ward 3. Also, you can be more sure that your local area has a representative on council who, rep who hopefully represents the, the views of your area. I mean, certainly Calgary City Council has quite a wide range of, of more conservative to more centrist, more left-wing councillors, rather than being dominated by one sort of type of councillor all of the time. So it does provide uh, more debate and more discussion, which is, uh, I think, at the very least, quite nice. It can also... Um, account for differences in turnout. What this basically means is, imagine in Vancouver where you have the west side and the east side, and the west side is always voting and the east side isn't voting. If you have wards, it can kind of control for some of these effects to make sure that the east side of Vancouver has some representation. If in, in Lethbridge, for instance, you might guarantee that you end up with one or two councillors more from the north or sort of the northwest area rather than uh, a majority of them being from quite far south. At-large elections, though, they provide city-wide representation, which is quite nice because they, they, they give you councillors with a sort of a big-picture view. And there's no real chance of gerrymandering, of rigging the election by drawing the lines because in an at-large election, there's no lines to draw. So, I mean, you do avoid, uh, do avoid that. On the other hand, ward elections might really encourage local interests, which might be bad because then you might have people fighting over does Ward 3 get a, um, an ice rink, or is it Ward 7? And you do see these uh, fights sometimes in Calgary and, and in other cities. Also, unfair boundaries then can skew the results. Again, it's sort of the power of the pen. The person who gets to draw the line uh, gets to sort of make the decision a little bit. In at-large elections, um, you can permanently exclude some sort of smaller minority groups, whatever that means. 
i.e., if there is uh, someone that has 10% of the population, they're never really going to uh, get a voice on council in an at-large election because the people who represent everybody else will have all of the, all of the saying power. And finally, there's no real sense of a local representative. This might be good if you think that I want to be represented by people who represent Lethbridge. And I mean, that's a perfectly fair um, opinion to have. But on the other hand, if you think who represents me and my community and people who live in the area that I live, in an at-large system, you don't really get any sense of that. So the other, the other uh, topic I'll talk about briefly is sort of do um, campaign finance rules dictate um, the, the power of developers? So, I mean, in Calgary, we have this story right now about the mayor being sued by a developer for defamation. I mean, I'm not a, a lawyer, happily, but um, it's not the first time a, a mayor has been sued for defamation by a developer. I mean, it's quite a common story, actually, amazingly. Um, and it's really a fight about campaign finance rules because the mayor basically accused the developer of breaking fi campaign finance rules. So what are the campaign finance rules in Alberta? It's basically a little bit of the Wild West uh, reborn here. You have $5,000 you can give to any candidate every year. So if it's a four years between elections, you can actually end up giving someone $20,000, which, I mean... Maybe you all have $5,000 just to sort of throw around, but I don't, I don't have $5,000 to give uh, to candidates. So, I mean, it might make it a little bit unfair in that way. And also, there are no spending limits. But if we look at Ontario, just as a, as, as a nice comparison, in Ontario, you can give uh, sorry, $750 per candidate up to a maximum of $5,000 sort of per contest. Um, so if you lived in Toronto, you could give... $5,000. You're allowed to give a little bit more to the mayor of, of Toronto. Perhaps he gives you some drugs in exchange. I don't really, I don't really know. But those are sort of the, the, the main rules. You can only give it during the campaign period, which is just on election year, so you can't give multiples of four. Uh, and there is a spending limit of $5,000 plus 85 cents a voter. Does this lead to developers having as much power as they do? It might actually. If we look at this, is from a paper by uh, University of Calgary's Lisa Young and a, and a graduate student of hers in the past, Sam Austin, who now lives in, in Nova Scotia. And they found that Toronto, with their relatively strict campaign finance laws, candidates only got 13% of their donations from developers and 40% of their donations uh, from individuals, whereas Calgary uh, got 29% of their uh, donations from developers and just 13% of their donations from individuals. And it is a lot to do with the rules. I mean, other studies show exactly the same thing. When you make candidates raise money from more people, they end up not just going to the development industry and to, to sort of the rich folk in town. They end up having to diversify uh, where they end up getting their money from. And it's certainly democratically, to me, this seems like a good idea because it means more people are getting involved in politics and there are more people who can influence councillors, which is good because if you only have two or three people who you're listening to, they have a lot of power, but now if it's 5,000 people who you're listening to, no one has too much uh, sway, which I think is, uh, at least from my perspective, quite a bit better. Is it fair? I mean, certainly people say, well, it's free speech. I get to give as much money as I have to whichever candidate I want because it is free speech. But I mean, if you look at, not to bring him up too much, but I'm completely obsessed with him, uh, Rob Ford has a lot of money, um, and he got it from his father, 
and he could give this to all the candidates that he wanted. Now, should that mean that he has more free speech than I have? I, I hope not. I mean, that's a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more sensible than he is. You know, a little bit. Um, should corporations be allowed to donate in Toronto? There's actually some limitations on that. And there's the idea that is democracy and is council representing individuals or does it represent corporations? Again, another thing to think about um, over lunch. And then should we sort of uh, uh, change the rules to emphasize uh, the importance of individuals over corporations? What could be done? You could limit it just to one year in Alberta rather than four years. You could limit the maximum donation to make sure that more people are able to donate. It doesn't mean that everybody has to donate $1,200, $1,500, $2,000, but you should have it be a limit where a good number of people can donate rather than $5,000 per candidate, which is, which is quite a bit much. Should we make tax, uh, donations tax-deductible? At the local level, they're actually not tax-deductible. You're just sort of giving your money over, which is maybe quite nice, but compare that to federally or provincially. There, they are different rules, so should we maybe encourage people to donate more by allowing tax donation, uh, donations to be tax-deductible? And then, then finally, should there be a spending cap? I mean, these are just questions uh, just to, 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 to think about. So just to sort of uh, bring them together, we can think about wards and finances sort of doing maybe the same thing. Uh, we might change systems that we have in order to maybe promote more fairness. If we think about um, what they do, they actually um, give some group of people more power than others, depending on what you want. At-large systems that, that, that will favor higher turnout areas. Now, maybe you think that's good because people who turn out to vote should have more say. Wards give power to communities. Um, people, uh, fewer finance rules give power to people with more money, to corporations, to developers. Stricter finance rules give power to individuals, a more varied and wider group of people. And these are, these are just sort of how they are similar in terms of making one decision over another reflects what you value in terms of, of fairness. So just to leave you with the questions that I, I asked at the beginning, should Lethbridge move to a ward system? Should we change how elections are funded? Now I think it's lunch. Thank you.